but I'm just listening for the different behaviors, right? Which tells me the conversation that they're having. And then I just, you know, can adjust my marketing. It becomes obvious. I don't have to guess. There's no drama. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse. And today, my guest is Chris Mercer, but we just call you Mercer. How are you, Mercer? I am doing very well, Matt. How are you doing, man? I am doing fantastic. It's a great day. On an, uh, like a side note, I just got baby chickens like two days ago. They're the cutest thing in the world. They're two days old. Oh, my God. What I really love about that is it's so incredible. If you had been like on a side note, guess what I'm about to say next? Baby chickens would not have been in my top 25,000 things you were about to say. But that is cool. I love that. That's right. But I was like, brightens your day having some little baby animals around. How could you have a bad day when you've got baby chickens? I know my daughter's five. She's just enamored with them. She's in there every single day just staring at them. Dude, that's got to be Instagram gold right there. It is. And uh, there's been a measurable impact on our social media. (laughs) 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 And... We're going to talk about measuring. Talk about it. Nice segue. That is. It's a segue. I <laughs> planned that so far in advance, like almost 15 <laughs> seconds. So Chris Mercer Mercer, that we call Mercer, is the co-founder of MeasurementMarketing.io and is a measurement marketing expert that has been helping marketers, marketing teams, and agencies plan out what's important to measure in their marketing, how to build measurement systems, and how to create actionable dashboard reports and use those reports to forecast and optimize for marketing results. So without all the jargon, why don't you explain a little bit more about why we want to measure things and how you guys help people measure them? Absolutely. So the the number one people that come to measure market IO, they're looking for one thing, which is they're trying to figure out in their marketing what's working or what's not. They've got confusing reports where Facebook says, oh, you sold 100 things. And Google Analytics says, no, you sold 50 things. And their cart says, no, you sold 10 things. Right. I mean, if we all had the money Facebook says we made, it'd be amazing. So they've got these confusing reports. They're not quite sure what marketing actions they need to take next. If they have a, a poorly converting customer journey or a sales funnel. They're not sure why. And so they're just guessing at stuff. Maybe we should change the headline. Maybe we should change the offer. Maybe we should just scrap the whole thing and use ClickFunnels instead. And it's just a constant random acts of marketing thing. And there's a lot of frustration in that because you don't know, you don't really know what's having an impact and what's not if you don't measure. So the way that we think about it is essentially you sort of measure for the conversation. Like you and I are having a conversation right now, right? If we were at a store and you were walking into my store, I would have a conversation. How are you doing? What can I help you find? I would help you go through it, pull it off the shelf, et cetera. That same stuff happens digitally. It's that marketers by and large forgot to listen to their side of the conversation, right? They, they just respond all the time and they, and they pitch stuff and they change the passages or whatever else, but they're not listening for the behaviors that are happening on the site. And that's where measurement comes in. So we, things like Tag Manager, Google Analytics, all these free tools that are out there, they help marketers listen to kind of the user side of the conversation. How are they interacting with the site? How long are they staying on the pages? Are they clicking on the right buttons? Did they watch my fun video? Do those testimonials even matter to them? Like all of this stuff you can measure for. And when you know that side of the conversation, conversation, imagine how much better you would be in a conversation, right? If I didn't listen to anything you were saying and just talked about whatever, it would be a very short conversation, wouldn't be a really productive one. And so as marketers, that's the job is we can use these tools to basically figure out kind of what's working and what's not because we're actually able to listen to their side of things. 
you know, I like the idea of of measuring the important parts, but there is a lot of data in these tools. How do you figure out what is superfluous data versus what is something you should actually be measuring? You know, one of my favorite terms that I learned in data, I think there's a lot of made up terms just in the world, but one of my favorite made up terms in data is called dark data. And I was like, what is dark data? And dark data is all the data that everybody has and never uses. It's like the stuff that's the iceberg you can't see, right? The 97, and it's like 97% of the data. So it's like screen resolution and we have all this stuff and, and this constant overload. Like we don't, world of big data, right? We don't have a problem with trying to figure out data. We have way too much of it to your point. So how do you know what's useful? For us, we just focus on results and how. That's sort of how we think about it. So we find out what our results are. So for example, simple example of thinking that out is how many widgets did I sell? What was the average ticket for each widget? That sort of stuff. What's the overall conversion rate of the customer journey or the sales funnel? That's kind of a a results style numbers. Then, and this is the most important part, actually more important than knowing your results, is you have to know how you got those results. So in our case, we'll know how many people actually saw an offer page, how many of those interacted and engaged with the customer journey to see the cart page, how many of those actually then converted, and at what rate did they convert? And so now we know our results and how. We keep it very simple. And then we use that same formula at different levels. So if you think about a customer journey, it's like, oh, like for us, we have a product. Our flagship product is called the Measure Marketing Academy, teach people this stuff. So I know how many people see the Academy page. I know how many people go to the cart page and how many people convert at the cart page. Pretty basic sales funnel measurement. But if I have a challenge where the cart, let's say that the offer page isn't sending enough people to the cart page for whatever reason, that just drops off. I have a certain expectation of how many people should do that. And if I'm not seeing that happen, where I don't see people moving from the offer to the cart, what do I do? Do I change the headline? Do I change the body copy? Do I change the whole design? Do I change the offers? And the answer is, I don't know. Let's figure it out. Well, how how would I do that? I need to figure out what that conversation is that they're having with that page, right? Because the market will tell me the answers. I don't need to come up with them. I have a firm belief in that. So this is the beauty of that results and how, because then we start seeing as well, we know the result of how many people are seeing the page, but how are they interacting with that page? And that's where the beauty of these tools really comes in. Because not only do we know how many people land on that page, I know how many people are there 10 seconds later actually stuck around. What we call it introduction to the offer. I know how many people showed interest in that offer by sticking around for another, you know, up to 45 seconds. And then maybe they scrolled about halfway and showed interest. So that's that sort of metric. I know how many people investigated the actual offer, looked at the pricing tables and considered the options because they stared at that section in the browser window for at least 45 seconds. And then I know how many people initiated to go to the next stage. And so by measuring these different stages, again, think about it like a conversation. And I'm listening to the conversation that they're having with that page. Very quickly, I know what actions to take. If I see a bunch of people leaving within 10 seconds, there's a problem with the headline. It's an above the fold issue, no matter what. If I see people going through and showing interest, but they are not investigating the offer, it's body copy. I got to adjust that because I'm just losing them or I'm not quite communicating the way I think I'm communicating. If I see people investigating the offer, but they're just not clicking to go initiate and go to the cart, it's probably the offer. I got some details I got to work out, but I know what part of the page to adjust. And that's what I love about it is because for me, yes, there's numbers involved. It could be wrong, but I'm just listening for the different behaviors, right? Which tells me the conversation that they're having. And then I just, you know, can adjust my marketing. It becomes obvious. I don't have to guess. There's no drama. And that's what I love about this process. So once you've measured something, So let's say in this example, you know, we're driving to an offer page or a product page, right? So there is 
you know, who came from an advertisement or whatever source they came from, who gets to the landing page, how far down the page they go, how much time on site, you know, did they click through to the offer? Did they purchase or add to cart? That kind of stuff. Those, so we have those signals. And then you can see the kind of drop off points in your process. So you can go, okay, well, our ad must be good because it's sending tons of traffic to this page, but then we're not getting any sales. So we know that it's either the conversion rate or the body copy if they're not clicking through or, you know, something on the landing page. And then you can use something like user recording. It's a good way to kind of see what people are doing on the page, see where they're scrolling. Man, you know what? I remember this is kind of a, this is a related story. I don't know if I'm going on too many tangents today. Maybe I had too much coffee, but so anyways, we did, did some user recording on their page because we we're running tons of traffic to it. We had good ad scent, you know, so, so the ad was very similar to the landing page. And we found that they had this photo that they wanted on the page near the bottom. And it kind of had a, like a border around it. And people thought it was a button, but it wasn't a button. And so they would click on it and click on it and click on it. And they wouldn't go anywhere and they'd leave. So we actually just changed it. It made the image a button and they like boosted their sales like 12%. Just because people could click on the button. Have you heard of Microsoft Clarity? No, I haven't. We'll write that one down. So Microsoft Clarity is a free tool. Everybody should write that one down. Microsoft Clarity is a free tool. You put the script on your pages and essentially it does exactly that stuff. It shows you user recordings. It records something called rage clicks amongst a lot of other things. But I like what they call it. They call it rage clicks. And that's what that is. When you're clicking on a thing over and over again in a shorter period of time, they're like, well, this is maybe something you want to look at. So you say, oh, show me my rage clicks. And then it'll show you the videos, right? your, your screen grabs of those people clicking and where they're clicking Amongst a lot of other stuff this this tool does, but it's completely free. It's kind of Microsoft's foray into analytics, but it's all graphic. It's not, it's like kind of like a more of a hot jar or a true conversion or a, a lucky orange competitor. So it's very similar to that, but completely free. So it's worth worth checking out for sure. Microsoft Clarity. Very, very simple to set up. Just pop the code on the pages and then wait a few hours and then there's all your graphs and stuff there. Yeah, I think user recording is something a lot of people still aren't really very aware of, but it's excellent. And uh, I know it sounds pretty invasive. But I mean, they're on your website, right? It's just as if you were had a video camera in your retail store and you're watching people walk around and you see people going and getting lost and not finding, you know, whatever your lead product is or whatever. Then you just move the shelves around. Right. Right. It's exactly right. You know, it's the same thing that you would do, you know, just like when you go into a Target or a Walmart or a Best Buy or whatever, you know, they're analyzing the video footage of the store to see how many people are going to buy stuff on the end cap or, you know, in their retail sections, and then they rearrange their store accordingly. Right. Yep. That's exactly right. And you bring up a good point too, because really what they're doing is they have forecasts, right? They know how those end caps are supposed to produce. I know, for example, I should have between 88 and 93% of the people that land on a given offer page will stay there 10 seconds or more. I know that. I have that forecast. So going back to your idea in in, or your example in terms of the Facebook ads, if I have two different Facebook ads and and I know and neither one converts, let's say overall, right, is, is not converting. So I come in, I look at these two different ads and I see one of them is less than 10 seconds. It's just all through the roof. Like only half of them are staying around 10 seconds. I know there's a mismatch in the ad itself or in the target that ad is sending over especially if the other one is not doing that, right? Maybe that other one is sticking around 10 seconds and I lose interest or whatever else I have to, I have to adjust there. But, but I can tell in the ad what specifically I need to adjust. And that's kind of the, the beauty of measurement 
is it eliminates the guessing. So anybody listen to this, if you're like, well, I've always, I know things aren't working, but I'm not sure what actions to take. It's because you're not measuring for it because you, you will, it's just blindingly obvious. The market is what I love about the marketplace. People think like the marketplace is kind of coy and they're like, oh, I don't really know. Man, the marketplace is brutal. They will tell you yes or no. Right. They will be like, yes, I like this. No, I don't. There are no shades of gray. And if you think there's shades of gray, just because you're not asking the right questions of the market. So but they will absolutely give you feedback and tell you you know, what they like and what they don't. And then it makes it really easy to change. If you think there's shades of gray, go search Amazon for three star reviews. <laughs> right. Seriously. It's so true. It's so true. You know, it's like, I mean, there's, there's, there's like four and five where people are like five is good. And four is like, yeah, it was pretty good, but not a hundred percent, you know, but like everything else is one. Like they might as well not even have a two or a three star. Right. Cause nobody puts three, you know, like who, who reads a book and they're like, you know what? The book was crap, but yeah, the back cover was nice. I'm going to give it two stars. Right. I love the cover art. Yeah, exactly. Like, this doesn't happen. Yeah, I mean, it does <laughs> happen. So true. One in a million kind of thing, but uh, yeah, almost never. So let's talk about something that is, and, and you had mentioned it, you know, you said, if we made as much money as Facebook said we made, we'd all be pretty happy. And what you're talking about there is attribution from advertising. So there is something interesting that happens. And I used to build these reports for one of my clients. And when we totaled up all the conversions from their Google ads, plus their Bing ads, plus their Facebook yeah. ads, it was 20% higher than their sales. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yep. Right. Then their total sales and some of their sales didn't come from ads. Cause everybody claims credit. That's right. Cause everybody wants <laughs> right. the credit. So what happens is you get this misplaced attribution, right? That comes from everyone doing last touch attribution. And Facebook says, well, in, you know, whatever your conversion rate, usually Facebook's got what, 28 days. It depends what setting you have it on. 28 days to, to say a conversion happened after someone's seen an ad. And I think the default on Google ads is 45 days. It might be lower now. So like if somebody sees an ad on Facebook, and then they click it and they go to the website and something happens, something comes up, it doesn't look, whatever, right? They leave, they go type it into Google later, they see an ad, they click on it, they go see it. And they, you know, again, you know, maybe it's not time, maybe they're not ready. And then a couple of days later, it's payday. So they go search for the website and, and they click it. And then on their phone or something that uses Bing and they click another ad, then they go buy it, right? Facebook, Google and Bing all say, they saw our ad. That's why they bought the product. Right, right. Congratulations. You sold three total products when obviously you just sold one. Yes, that's exactly right. So is there a way to measure to figure out those things? Yes. So this is and this is the interesting thing is it, when you're measuring in general, you're looking for a story. Right. When we have a story, we can we can learn from the story. Right. We, we have every story's got a moral. And and that's kind of how it is in measurement. I always try to measure for the story. There's certain ways you set things up so that a story is easier to read. So, for example, if I give you a kid's book, say Goldilocks and the Three Bears, you read me that book. It's probably pretty simple for you. If I take that same book, I rip out the pages and then I rip those pages into pieces and I hand you back all of that. And I say, now read me the story. Could you read me the story? The answer is yes, technically you could because I didn't change your ability to read. You're still a good reader, but it's a mess and it's a lot harder to read that story. It's harder to figure out what's going on, right? Some pieces you might not have access to, you might have lost. And so you got to kind of make up some stuff to try to make some assumptions and figure out how to tell the story the best way that you can. 
platforms like Google Analytics, like Facebook, like Google Ads, they're all a bunch of ripped up pages by default. And the number one mistake is people just don't realize you need to set them up, not turn them on, not activate them. You have to set them up. And the problem is there's a lot of confusion because of the platforms. It's not anyone's fault. It's the platform's fault that, you know, Google Analytics is like, oh, just put this code on the page. Bam. Now you've got Google Analytics. You should go start using your reports. You've just turned it on. You didn't set it up. So it doesn't, it's just going to be a bunch of ripped up pages and it's going to be contradictory. It's going to be really hard to figure out what's going on. So to answer your question, first, you have to set everything up in a way so that it naturally tells you that story. And so we, we have an ACE model, we call it the ACE model. So A, it stands for awareness. C stands for the completion when they completed. And then E is engagement along the way. So as an example, we'll have a goal set up. So when somebody is aware of the Academy page, we have a goal set up. When somebody completes the Academy customer journey for the Measure Marketing Academy, we have a goal set up as they engage along the way at various stages and steps. Then what we'll do is we will attribute our traffic sources and we'll make sure that we, when we set up our traffic sources, and this is, goes back to this forecasting step we talked about earlier about how like Target has a forecast for how they think that end cap should perform and they're measuring against that to see if they need to make adjustments, right? As a marketer, you should always forecast. You should never look in your data and see what happened yesterday because it doesn't matter. Like if you're using your data like that, it's, it's going to be harder to use. What you should be doing is saying, here's what's supposed to happen next week. Did that happen? Right. And you measure against your forecast. So in this example, we might say, well, this Facebook ad it is designed to make people aware of the Measure Marketing Academy. This other Facebook ad kicks in and is designed to get people to buy at the Measure Marketing Academy, complete that journey. This other one is designed to get them to engage with our brand. And so at the start of the ads, we'll, we'll sort of code things and tag it in so that when they come into some a platform like Google Analytics, we can measure it. And we can see not only Facebook's version of the truth, which will be very pro-Facebook, or Google Ads, or any of that. They're all going to be pro themselves, for sure. But it's not really their fault because that's all they can see. Right. Google Ads never sees Facebook stuff. Facebook never sees Google Ads stuff. But Google Analytics is the thing that can see everything. And so what we'll do is we'll code it in and say, OK, well, this ad is designed to make people aware of the Academy. Did it do its job? Google Analytics. Yes, it did. It created this many goals that's attributed to this Facebook ad. Facebook, what are you seeing? Well, I'm seeing this. By the way, these other sales came in. We're like, OK, great. But you weren't there to get other sales. You were there to achieve this goal. But I'm glad that you're doing that. That's good to know. Right. But meanwhile, we start to understand what ads are really good at causing which result in the customer journey. And then our job is to move people through that pipeline, get more people to become aware. So we, we have brand awareness campaigns to get them aware of the measuremarketing.io as, just as a brand. Then we have product aware campaigns, to get them aware of our different products. Then we have completion campaigns, engagement campaigns that they didn't complete and that sort of process. But all we're doing is we're managing the pipeline. And when you do that, when you advertise in that, in that way, where every specific ad has a very specific thing that it's designed to do in that customer journey, it's a lot easier to measure for it. And the reason is because you're measuring for an instant behavior. So you click on the ad, you achieve the goal. It's not, I click on the ad and sometime within 28 days, maybe they buy, maybe they don't. But that ad shouldn't get credit 28 days later, right? It didn't have anything to do. Something else caused that sale, not that ad. Like maybe it, it got the journey, but it didn't have anything to do with the purchase. It made awareness happen. So we measure for awareness. And then there's other ads, the retargeting ads you put in help with engagement. So you measure to the engagement goal. And because there's a shorter period of time between the click and the actual result you're trying to get, attribution's clearer because there's not so much time that's passed in that journey. So that's sort of how we handle that. Yeah, I think it's important to understand, especially if you're in the e-commerce world, that there's a lot more to the customer journey than see an ad, purchase a thing. 100%. There are some products that fall into that category, but not very many. Right. 
there are some products that are the equivalent of the magazine rack and the 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 gum rack at the grocery store, right? Where you're standing in line and you're bored and you pick up the Tic Tacs and you go, ah, I could use some Altoids or some Tic Tacs or something. You throw them in. Also, industry that's being decimated by COVID, by the way, because nobody yeah, buys the crap off the shelf at the checkout when there's nobody there, right? But anyway, yeah, so for the most part, I think a lot of people, you know, their their business, they think about, you know, how do I get let people know about my product and then, you know, how do I, you know, inform them so that they can make informed decision, like about the benefits and things like that about our product. And then how do I get them to purchase it? But they don't think about that when it comes to their marketing. Usually their marketing is direct sale marketing and it's skipping, you know, steps like awareness. Yeah. They, they, they forget the idea of brand of how, how, how important that is. In fact, we do, we do two different stages of brand to your, to your point. We have offsite brand awareness. So for example, when this podcast is live, you, you know, send me a link and you promote it. I will send traffic to your site and, and through Facebook. Now I can't measure if they landed on your site, right? Cause my code's not on your pages, but I can tell by the ad platforms, Hey, they clicked on the ad or whatever. Well, that's off what we call offsite brand aware, which means, yes, I'm sending, you know, the audience to your site, However, I am kind of also promoting my brand, right? Obviously, using authority and credibility that you're allowing us. And so it's like, okay, you're kind of familiar. Well, at that point, they go into a retargeting audience. And then it's, let's get them on-site brand aware. So coming to measurementmarketing.io and understanding what our brand is and introducing what we do. And then once they're on-site brand aware, then it's, okay, now, to your point again, it's awareness. It's a different customer journey. Let's talk about the academy or the free toolbox membership or whatever the other things that we do that the other customer journeys with in our enterprise, right? Within our little enterprise that we've created. So, and you can measure for all of that, but the trick is having a plan for it, right? Making sure that you plan the stuff ahead and then making sure you set up the platforms. So instead of just throwing money into them and then seeing these reports, because they're always going to be very biased and for themselves, you've told the platform how you want to see the results and what it's designed to do. And then is it achieving that? And then once you do that, it becomes, again, it's a lot easier and all this sort of, you know, overwhelm, but numbers, and I have no idea what anything means or anything like that. You know, again, it makes sense for everybody because they've been looking at a bunch of ripped up pages thinking they're bad readers. Right. So it's like, oh, I can't read a book because I'm clearly not a good reader because I can't read ripped up pages like nobody can. So put the pages together. Then you can read them a lot better. And that's the same thing with a numbers people thing where it's like I'm not a numbers person. It's like you are. You just don't realize it because you just don't know how to read the story yet. But once you set it up and you realize, oh, it's not really numbers. It's just a bunch of behaviors. And once I know the behaviors, I actually understand the conversation and I can have a conversation with people. Okay. This isn't that hard, you know, and then it becomes a lot easier. So there's a couple of things that you said there that I kind of want to want to fall back on here. One of them is that's kind of a ninja tip. So I would say 99 out of 100 business owners that I talk to when I say, hey, you know what? It's good SEO for us to link to a source that's off of your website. And they go, why would I want to send people away from my website? Right. Right. That's not what it's for, right? When you see something that's a source on a website, you never click it. I mean, once in a while, maybe, but usually it's a Wikipedia link. You're just going to click the back button anyway, right? So it's it's not losing you traffic. And And I'm sure that if you measured it, you'd be able to figure that out. But I don't think I've ever heard anyone mention that they want to pay to send traffic to somebody else's website, right? And that's a that's a ninja awareness tactic because one of the things that is 
really, really powerful in kind of the new modern versions of SEO. And this is not the garbage you're going to read on Medium and stuff, folks. This is like real current day tactics. And one of those things is how prominent is your brand compared to other competing brands? And the, the example, I always use the same example. It's super easy. All right, Mercer's going to open a burger joint, right? Burgers and fries with the drive-thru and everything, right? And he opens it up next to a, do- a McDonald's or a Burger King. Somebody goes on their phone and they type in hamburger, right? The McDonald's is always going to come up first because it's more prominent. It's not because Mercer's Place could have more positive reviews. It could have better food. It could have more local backlinks. It could have everything. Every signal that you can see could point to Mercer's shop and be better. But McDonald's will still win because it's more prominent. And the way that you get prominent is by having traffic and other signals to Google on places that mention your brand. So when you're sending traffic to someone else, even if that place is talking about you, that is a way to send a signal to search engines that your brand is important. I love that. So I'll, it's it's like, this is what I like. It's like ripples, right? It's like you do something for a specific action, but then you get other ripples from that action. That's right. It's weird. You help other people and it comes back to you. <laughs> Imagine that. And it, I don't know who's ever thought of that idea, but. And, and, I, and I'll tell you to reiterate your point, you know, just kind of from a, you know, both of us being entrepreneurs, right. And talking about this in our own companies, there is the whole like business builder thing. And, and I get that and it makes sense. But I think if people switch their mindset to brand building, right? Like I have a brand that's measure marketing to IO and yes, it's a business, but really I don't try to build the business. I try to build that brand from the marketing perspective. And I'm always caring about what the brand is, how the brand is represented, you know, and, and, and in that, I think you, when you make that subtle little mindset shift to your point about branding, right. And thinking about that and how many people are aware of the brand engaged with the brand have completed journeys within that brand have completed other journeys later, right. All of that sort of stuff, then it becomes, it becomes a little easier and you take better, more useful actions to improve the brand, right. To improve your results because you've, you're more resourceful. Yeah, I was, I was at a talk with the CMO of Leica Studios and they make, you know, movies like the Box Trolls and stuff like that. And they, their studio is in Hillsborough where I used to live. And anyways, he said that your brand is the lens through which everything that you do is shot. 100%. Yes. Love that. So everything, every post you make, every article you write, every video you put out, whatever it is, all of that should be shot through the lens that is your brand. So everything should be in that world. Like, you know, if you're in the box troll movie, everything would be in the box troll land, right? That's very clever. But hey, before we forget, I wanted to mention one other thing that you had said too. You had said that the data is there and people just don't know what to do with it. And I find this happens tons with advertising data and not necessarily just analytical data, but, but especially ad platform data. So a good example is somebody sets up Facebook ads. They go, they're going to take like a, you know, whatever Joe blows four ninety nine course on Facebook ads. And it tells them how to set it up and how to do targeting and, and this kind of crap, how to set up audiences and stuff and all the basics. Right. And they get in there and they send that stuff out. The problem is they don't know how to set up the interface to show them the data that matters yes. and the data that matters. Just to give you a perfect example, we had a client, it was a product for real estate agents. Uh, Cause a lot of our clients sell things, to real estate agents. The only people who bought this were people who saw the ad on Facebook with an iPhone. They were the 
only ones who ever bought it. Every other dollar we spent on anything else was wasted, right? So what we did is we split that into two audiences. One was ads going to Facebook with the exact same ad, right? Same copy, same photo, same everything, same video. The ad shown on Facebook to people with iPhones and then everybody else. And the one, two people on Facebook with iPhones had almost 100% of all the sales in the future of that thing. And we were able to take the budget and move 95% of the budget into that one and 5% into the everybody else. And suddenly they're making 10 times more money than they were before because we're not showing a bunch of irrelevant ads to people on other platforms. But you can't see that data unless you know how to set it up. So unless you know how to see the segmentation in the platform, there's no way for you to get that information. It's just like, I don't know how many times we've been selling stuff on the internet and I go and look through the segmentation on the data and like only female people or only male people are buying something, right? And so you can just immediately shift. You can say, okay, well, either I'm just not going to show it to the other, you know, demographic anymore, or it could be something like age groups, right? Yes, exactly right. If all the people buying something are between 30 and 50, why are you still showing ads to people 65 plus? Right. And even breaking out into traffic sources, right? So if I have, if I know my sales funnel, my, my customer journey, whatever the thing is I'm measuring for converts, to, let's say 3%. And then I break it out and it says, oh, well, actually Facebook is a half a percent and email is actually 10%, right? And you sort of, oh, the average is this, but it's because now I realize my email traffic is coming in and it's doing really, really well, but the Facebook traffic is not. So I got to start adjusting that. What can I do maybe in the ad copy to warm them up a little more? Or maybe they have to get a different message just too soon, you know, and all of that stuff. But you're, you're exactly right. You have to know to look for that and to, and to think. And really the way to do that, because I think that's confusing for a lot of people is like, well, that's great that you need to look for that. But there's seven million things back there. So what do I what do I do first? Right. And the idea is you, you start with where you are and you and understand that everybody in measurement, you're on a journey. And it never stops. People think measurement is a project. It's not. It's a department in an organization now. Like that's just what it is. So you start off with where you are. And, and what I would suggest we want to get started with that is you think about how is this supposed to work? I'm supposed to make sure that mostly this is a product that is geared toward older men. So I would expect to see that older men are buying this. And then you go into your Google Analytics reports, your Facebook reports, whatever it is you're looking at. And you realize, oh, actually, it turns out it's younger women who knew. There's a learning there now. You start learning a little bit more about the audience that's coming in and you go, okay, well, maybe we should, let's try to tweak the ads a little more for that group. And maybe there's more there. Uh, a perfect example, we have a client that was seeing, uh, and you'll appreciate this from an SEO perspective, they had, we, we broke it out by traffic source and we expected to see how many people were buying certain products by traffic source. And, you know, Facebook was doing its thing, targeting, you know, let's just say it was older males. So targeting older males, we had their email list, older males, What's organic show? Organic shows, A, a lot more traffic than anything else and younger, right? It was younger males actually in this case. So it was like, okay. So Google is thinking, this is how I like to think about it. It's like Google is making its best guess. It's, it's magic algorithm is essentially giving its impression of what my brand is and who should see it. So it's showing that brand, like in that case, it was that customer's brand. It was showing that brand to a much younger audience to solve their problems. And clearly, in my opinion, because it was going on for a while, it was getting signals back from that audience that said, yes, we like this recommendation, which is why it continued to send traffic to us, right, to that brand. And so it was like, all right, we're starting to see that. So now we go, there's opportunity here. 
because they were not signing up for emails because the email list stayed the same age, right? So they weren't coming through emails anymore. So how do you reach that younger audience? What are they actually looking for? How can we help them? Can we talk to them in a different way? Can we get different faces in front of them? If there were certain instructors that were maybe geared to, to a more older, you know, older audience, could we get a younger instructor that might appeal more to them and get them to engage in the customer journey so they do eventually escalate in that customer brand to a customer journey to actually purchase a product or engage with the brand in some way. And that's how you find those learnings. And it wouldn't have happened if we hadn't assumed, not assumed, if we hadn't forecasted, here's what this product should be doing. Here's what should, of course, organic is going to send older, you know, older audience because that's what it's designed to do, right? Nope, not at all. You're like, ah, possible learning. I've seen a hundred times where people think one thing is going to happen and the opposite happens. Always. Yep. It's magic. I love that stuff. But you got but you have to have that guess. And that's what people are like, well, I'm not sure how it's supposed to work. Guess. That's what it, in the beginning you guess. And then you get feedback, you know? There's an older, older Facebook method that I mean, I'm sure it's still being taught in courses all over the place because it originated with digital marketer and like a hundred people stole it and sold it. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. It's true. It's called the Michigan method. And the Michigan method was you determine all the different types of people that you think are going to buy your product. And then you split up all those targets. And then each one of those targets, you make five to 10 ads for each, each ad set target. So you end up with tons of ads, like 50, 100, 200 ads. And then you just start eliminating them as they do poorly. And you move that money slowly into the ones who are doing better. And you basically, by process of elimination, you get down to figuring out who your target is. And it's through measurement, right? Because if you're not measuring it, then you're not going to have any idea who it is. You, you need that feedback. That's exactly right. Yep. That's right. You have to have the feedback. Mercer, I don't want to go too long on the podcast today, but we had lots of good ninja stuff to talk about. So why don't you let us know how somebody can get a hold of you? Absolutely. So obviously our website, measurementmarketing.io, if you want to learn more about this stuff, we actually do have a, a free level of our membership. It's got a ton of tools. It has weekly trainings, you know, for all different skill sets and levels coming in, whether you're just beginner, if you've got a little bit of experience with these tools and want to learn how to level up, that's something we call the measure marketing toolbox. So if anyone's interested in that, if you just go to measurementmarketing.io forward slash DMM. So for digital marketing masters. So if you uh, just go to forward slash DMM, again, measuremarketing.io forward slash DMM, it'll take you right to that page. Nice. And make sure that you guys type that in because he's measuring how many of you are going to that page. (laughs) He's going to know if you don't go there. So true. (laughs) (laughs) Did it work like it was expected to? Absolutely. Yep. Well, thanks for being on the show and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. Pleasure. Say hi to those chickens. I will. They're so cute. They're just like, cheap, 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 cheap. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.